Today in the show, we are joined by Erica Long. So before we move on to the next segment of the episode, can you tell me a bit about what was the proudest moment of your career? This is a tough one. This is always tough. I feel like everybody's like, what are you proud of accomplishing? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just uh, happy that I'm where I'm at. <laughs> um, honestly, I don't know. I It's a hard question to answer. If if I had to answer it professionally, I, I would honestly say the moment that I'm at right now has been the thing that I've wanted for a while. I've wanted to be a manager. I feel like most people, like, Early in your career, you're like, I don't know if I want to be a manager. Like, I don't know if I want to deal with everyone's personal. I knew like six years ago that I wanted to be a manager. Oh, wow. Like, I was flat out like, I don't, I never mind. Everyone knows this. I never mind rolling my sleeves up and getting dirty. You need me to help you with a job. You need me to send an email. You need me to go through an Excel sheet and color code 700 lines. I'm going to find a formula. I'm not about to do that. I was like, why are you doing that by hand? I'm definitely, I'm here to help. Like, sign me up. Everyone knows that. Um, But, being a manager has been like the thing that I wanted. I want to connect with somebody. I want to bring them up. I don't like when people come to me with the same experience that I had with past managers who either don't believe you can accomplish something. I've had managers tell me like, Erica, we don't think that you're fit for management because your personality is a little bit aggressive. Very, uh, by the way, the word aggressive is like a trigger point. Like, oh I'm yeah. Like, oh, I, th- I think daggers. especially for people of color. <laughs> yes. Everything is aggressive. It's called or, being assertive. Or emotional. Those are the two Claiming things your that I space. hate. And I feel like emotional ties with women, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. oh, yeah. If it's a male Absolutely. talking to a female, you're emotional. And then the aggressive comes from being a person of color. I already know that. Um, and it it was hurtful, and I hated that. It it you You grow up hearing, like, oh, you can do whatever you want. And then you get into positions where people are like, oh, you're not like me. You're not super sweet, bake cookies for the whole team. I cry when you cry. So you can't be a manager. And I'm like, why? Why can I not be a manager in the way that I manage? Because there are people that are like me. I, I there's, there's things in management that I hate. Like, for example, people do like the sandwich method when they give you feedback. Do y'all know oh, what I'm yeah. talking about? Like a uh, I, I, I'm guilty thing. of that, but I'm so good at it, though. Oh, sure. I think that there are people who love, they have to thrive off the sandwich method. I am not your girl. Tell me what's up because the second that you start with, oh my God, Erica, you've been doing so great. I'm like, nah, yeah. sis, cut it. What, what's going on? What's happening? Yeah. Like, what are you trying to tell me that you're not telling? I want you to spit it and I want you to tell me straight and dry. And I want you to know that my tone is going to change when you say that because what you're telling me is something that's going to affect my career. So I'm not going to be like, oh my God, really? I was that bad. At-? I'm going to be like, okay, tell me more. Well, why do you think that? Well, I felt like I was doing this, this, this. My tone is going to change because I care about what you're saying. And I'm trying to mentally process what you're saying. I don't I don't like the sugarcoat method because before I can process it, you're trying to tell me what I'm doing good. And I'm still trying to process the bad thing that you just told me. So I'm like, wait, 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 wait. I know my hair looks cute today. Thank you. That's not what I want to talk about. I want to talk about what you just said. I want to talk about, I, I know that report was 100% on par. I know. I'm not worried about that. I want to talk about the fact that you just told me, you know, X, Y, or Z thing just happened. Um, and I feel like as a manager, I now have that that power to tell people who maybe feel like I'm too quiet to be a manager. You're not. You're not. But you do need to work on being assertive in situations if you want to be a manager because you're going to have to tell someone some bad news. And what you can't do is say, hey, so you turned in this report yesterday and it wasn't bad. You, hey, you turned in a report. You don't have to be mean. You don't have to yell at them. right? Mm-hmm. But being able to be in that position of coaching, I think, is probably right now 
the proudest moment. And I have the best employee, so that helps so much, too, um, where she's willing to learn. She's willing to listen to the feedback that I give her. And she's willing to question me. And that's the other part that I feel like people are afraid of with bosses, especially being able to question. But I also think that she saw that in mine and my boss's relationship because me and my boss also have the same thing. And he's a male and he's white. But (laughs) biggest ally for me. Um, when Black Lives Matter stuff happened over the summer, called me and was like, are you okay? How, how are you doing mentally? Like, cared about the things that yeah, were you happening. You don't see that often. You don't. And I feel like me and he's coming to my wedding because I was like, well, I obviously need you to be there. Have <laughs> I'm like invested in his kids. Like, yeah. I'm the person that's like, hi, um, Aunt Erica's here. Can I get some pictures, please? Thanks. <laughs> um, of just like, tell me what's going on. And I feel like him and I have such this big, open dialogue of communication that it helps me grow. It helps him grow. He cares about my opinion now because I'm a manager and I'm like slowly moving into this position that he's in. He's kind of like, I need your opinion because I don't know if mine's sound. And I appreciate the fact that I have a manager that's like, I need your opinion because that doesn't happen either. Um, But I feel like, again, this this area that I'm in right now, this space is like my proudest moment because this is where I wanted to be for so long. And I do think that over six years, there were things that I had to learn because I I feel like uh, six years ago, Erica was a little bit. A little bit aggressive. I'm going to agree with everybody else. (laughs) I was a little more aggressive than I am now. I think I'm still aggressive, but I think I've learned, again, through some of these other experiences, volunteer positions, et cetera, that, like, people will quit, especially Gen Z. Oh, yeah. They don't care about your life. Okay? They will be like, uh, you said 47 people quit yesterday? Yeah, I'm 48. I'm out. (laughs) With no (laughs) questions asked. And so I feel like I needed those six years to grow into that mentality. Um, and I, I can now look back at it and appreciate the time that I had to put in for other things and not getting rewarded so quickly because I don't think that I would have been the same leader or manager that I am now. Oh, that's, uh, sure. that's great. That's fantastic. Um, I always say that, you know, feedback is a, is a gift and that goes both ways, right? When someone yeah. gives it to you, uh, regardless, regardless of your position, uh, you are always, there's always feedback to be given. Yeah. Um, so let's go ahead. We're going to move on to the next. So this is actually a question that is uh, very close to me. Um, so do you have any advice for individuals who didn't start their career in a traditional route or that are maybe questioning their current position or job, you know, whether it's the right fit? How do you know that you're in the right place? So I, I'm going to make it relevant to add to you first. And then I'm going to pull it out of anything related to ad. And let's just say that you weren't an ad and you wanted to come back. So starting with that too, number one selling point that I tell every student is that you get to try what you don't know. We have a public service camp competition. Most public service teams, every ad to is supposed to do a public service campaign, has to participate. I learned so much just being close to my public service comp- competition, because when I first started an ad to you, I was the program's chair. And so we had to plan an event for our public service comp. And then I just got entangled in that and what the positions were and what we were doing. And then Tina was president. And so I was secretary treasurer. I had a lot more time than Tina and the vice president had. So I was like, where can I fit in? And Tina was like, help with public service. I was like, done. <laughs> like, I'm in. And yeah. so I'd go to their meetings and talk to them and listen to what they were doing and ask them if they need anything. And then when I became president. I was the account director for a little bit of time because we couldn't find one. But every single time I got a student that's like, Erica, I don't, I don't know what I'm good at. I don't know what I can help you with. What are you interested in? You want to, have you ever done like Photoshop? Well, yeah, I work in Photoshop a little bit. Do you want to learn from somebody who works in Photoshop? Like 
Do you want to be the volunteer chair to create our graphics and we can critique you and we can help you and it's not that you're getting paid and you're not going to get criticized. You're not going to feel like you're going to lose your job tomorrow because you want to be creative and you don't know if you can be. Go to a club. Go to an organization that needs that help, that needs that plug and learn from people and look at the examples and learn how to replicate those examples. Obviously, copyright. Be careful about that. But like, <laughs> you know, if you see an ad and you see something that you're like, oh, this is really cool and you want to try to replicate it. Why not? Be in an organization that gives you the freedom to do that without you getting fired tomorrow. Today on the show, we have Audrey Pham. Hi. So after an applicant applies for a job, they might be thinking of sending a follow-up email, but don't quite know if that's the hiring process tactic to follow. What are your thoughts on a candidate sending a follow-up email after applying, or should they wait to hear back from the hiring representative before reaching out? I'm going to be real. It doesn't hurt, right? It literally does not hurt to send a follow-up email. If it makes you feel good, do it. And truthfully, it might make you stand out. I could say have 100 resumes to go through and somebody reach out and being like, hey, I applied a week ago, want to see what the status was. And I would be like, oh, I'm not done yet, but let me go check out this person's name really fast since they just emailed me. And it could just make me go straight to their resume, right? So I I would say it doesn't hurt. The worst thing somebody can say is no or what like just no or not reply to you, right? So I would say it doesn't hurt. That's my answer. Is there a time frame of when you can reach out? Is a week, two weeks accepted? I mean, I know you shouldn't send it the next day. (laughs) (laughs) No, not really. I a week, two weeks, sure. (laughs) I'm not personally bothered by it. So if somebody wants to send a follow-up email, send it. Again, the worst somebody can say is, hey, we haven't gotten to you yet, or something along those lines. Or maybe you could even get your answer. So, Yeah, I, I think personally after that, I always worry about like bothering people you know, too much. Maybe it's good to bother people. That's fair. Right? <laughs> I would say as, I'm going to be honest here, sometimes as a recruiter, you have to keep track of so many individuals, so many things that sometimes somebody sending them follow-up email is a reminder. And it's like, oh, I forgot about this person. Actually, yeah, let's go ahead and move forward with this because X, Y, and Z, right? You could be helping them out. So I, I have, and I'm sorry to all the recruiters out there listening to this, <laughs> but sometimes bothering them is <laughs> You'll get your answer at some point. (laughs) (laughs) That's good to know. So once the candidate has gotten to the interview stage of the process, how can they develop questions to stand out during the interview instead of asking, you know, cookie cutter questions that you've heard a thousand times? Okay, I love this question. And it's because I've started to realize the questions that I like from people are the ones that they genuinely want to know, right? Not the, tell me what your day-to-day looks like. Tell me, well, I mean, some somebody could actually genuinely want to know that. So, but it's it's things that you actually are curious about, right? Don't, don't hold yourself back to what you genuinely want to know about the company. And I do believe that you become more curious and you come up with more genuine and authentic questions by doing more research on a company. Because you'll start to understand what they do and the things that they do and maybe how their culture is, so on and so forth. And you'll start to dive deeper into 
what their company does on a daily basis or has. And from there, you can you can kind of develop your own questions because you're like, okay, I, I want to ask more than just this standard surface level question. I want to ask something deeper because I've done my research. And that shows me people have done research if they ask me more in-depth questions. So questions that are genuine questions and uh, questions that show they've done their homework are good ones. Yeah. And sorry if that was a little confusing, but you know, I, I would think that questions come off more genuine and more curious whenever you actually have done your research. I definitely think that goes back to what you said earlier, which is being authentic. Mm-hmm. And I think that's definitely a good tie-in to yeah. me. So knowing what to do or not to do in an interview is as crucial as having a good resume or good references. So I love to hear, hear your advice for young professionals on common missteps, any interview tips and tricks, and anything you want to share with our audience. So I would say the the most common misstep or like mistake that I've seen from interviewers are people that come in and pretend like they know more or that they really know what they're doing, but in reality, they have no idea, right? Like these individuals, they, to us, come off as someone with no humility. They can't admit they're wrong or they can't not they can, or or they're arrogant, right? Or they're too confident in themselves and they might not be willing to learn as easily as others might be. And so you don't want to come off that way, right? Again, going back to being authentic. If you don't understand something, be open about that and just say, I haven't done this, but I have done something like it. And truthfully, I'm willing to learn and I'm a quick learner. Segue into that, right? We appreciate that so much more than someone trying to lie their way through something that they think they know because they did a little bit of research. And truthfully, I, I, I would say being honest about things like that is, is something that goes a long way for recruiters and for hiring managers in general. Young talent such as the Ad2 crew and the target audience it's reaching are really anxious about failing during interviews. No. <laughs> uh, I think that's a big thing that, you know, you're interviewing for your first real big person job. Yeah. So, you know, you got to you got to act like a grown up in a way that that's maybe true. you don't feel like right after graduating. Mm-hmm. So, how do you um can you give some tips on how young talent can relax during the interview process and turn it into a fun conversation of some sort? Um well, I, oh my gosh. So this honestly, it makes me kind of sad that people are this nervous and they're afraid of failing in the interview process, right? But at the same time, I've been there. We've all been there. We've all been afraid to interview and we've all been afraid to to fail and get rejected. And I'm sure you've seen your be- uh, your share of oh. bad interviews. Oh my gosh. Yes. And I feel bad, right? But at the same time, we've all been through it. And I know that from, I would say, from personal experience, and this is me leading into professional experience of like what advice I would give to anybody interviewing, right, is that no matter how the interview goes at the end of the day, as long as you tried your best, every single interview is a learning experience. Take every interview that you can get, no matter what that interview is. It could be for the most boo-boo job 
and you already know you don't want it, take it anyway. Because all of those opportunities are for you to practice interviewing and giving the spiel about yourself whenever they ask you the, so tell me a little bit about yourself. (laughs) That's whenever everyone freezes, right? Or at least I do, because I never know what to talk about. But that's your time to actually get to perfect that and understand what people like that you've highlighted and how how interviewers react to certain things that you say right it's 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 about practicing and at some point somebody is going to appreciate your interview so much that they hire you and that's the goal so i would say don't be i mean it's easier said than done but don't don't be afraid of failing and, and getting rejected. Every single, every single interview process and or every single interview that you get. And I can say this as somebody that has been in the industry for a long time. I've had to job search too. <laughs> and I'm terrified of getting rejected. And this is what I remind myself every single time I'm interviewing is that every one of these interviews is a practice, right? And just learn from all my mistakes and move forward from there. Today on the show, we are joined by our host, Tina Singh. Tina is former Atu Dallas president, the Atu National chair, and Shark Tank's biggest fan. Hi, everyone. You mentioned that you became president for basically the future of our industry. And one of the big key to that is networking. So for many people, the thought of, you know, attending an event for the first time or attending a networking event at the time for the first time could be quite terrifying, awkward. And, you know, you could be quite lonely at at the same time, especially if you don't know anybody. But we know networking provides us opportunities that we might not be able to get or be able to find on our own without it. So can you tell us why do you believe growing your network is essential in our industry? And do you have any advice for college students or young professionals who may not be as comfortable meeting new people? Okay. So I told you guys how I went to that happy hour, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. As like a random, like a rando pretty much. And like, who shows up at happy hour? Is uh, clearly me. <laughs> I do that stuff. The part that you guys didn't know, and I haven't really told many people, is that I did get laid off from my first oh. agency job. Oh, okay. And that's when I was like, well, you gotta know more folks outside of just where you work. Because, you know, like, th- your work family can only do so much. You gotta broaden your scope. And that's where networking is super important, where you're also able to see what other people are doing on the other side. Um, when you work at an agency, it's all about team collaboration. Part of the way that I also lead my team is through empathy. And if you don't understand what the other person is experiencing, how can you lead the team well? So I think like networking really helps you realize what cross-discipline opportunities there could be, right? You might be a media person, but you might have a creative knack for things. You can also learn through that through your network of peers that you have. The importance of networking, I can't, because I've experienced it, of like getting laid off at an agency job, you realize that your network is pretty much your, the fallback plan in case anything falls through in this industry, because anything can happen. 
anything can happen in advertising. Like maybe one day your agency is great, but then like things happen. And I think you really have to rely on your network and your network isn't just like your professional network. These are your friends. Guido, I know you don't say the <laughs> F word, but you know, no. these are your friends I'm, that you can rely on. Um, and especially for the young professionals oh. life stage, I want to say there is so many transitions that happen within your first 10 years of graduating college. You might have second thoughts of why do I even join advertising? Like, do I want to explore other disciplines? Maybe, you know, I went to school for media, but maybe I could be an art director. And that's that's where you get to learn outside of just like your work, your work work. You get to also get exposed to other things in this industry. And maybe you find something that's better aligned to what you want to do. Um, and that's the piece of networking that I'm like, I want to make sure people understand. The second piece of your question was any sort of advice, right? For anybody that's um, terrified <laughs> of going to a happy hour by themselves, like not crazy me, just, just did that. Honestly, this kind of comes back to my first point. Like, you got to stretch yourself in, in ways where just, I feel like people are understanding. We've all been there. We've all been to either a happy hour that we feel kind of awkward. We don't really know anyone. We're actually there to meet people. So that's the reason why we're there. but. You got to step out of your comfort zone a little bit. What are, like, what's stopping you? Is it, I don't know, maybe it is the fear of, like, some people, I guess some people are, like, socially, they just don't yeah. want to yeah. do it. And maybe it is, like, calling up a friend and be like, hey, we could show up together. Oh. I've, I've seen I've seen people do that yeah. more frequently. Did you do that? That's how I got Mark involved in it. <laughs> <laughs> it's exactly yeah. that's, that's literally the same story. Yeah. yeah. You know, for Ad Two, especially that happy hour that I went to. I mean, people were very friendly. They definitely want to know more people, and I, you know, the Houston crew is the same. We want to grow and get to know people. We've we're all in. We've all been in those shoes where we like show up and we're like. I don't know what I'm getting myself into. And look at me six years later <laughs> at the top of the organization because of one happy hour. Yeah. So they, I mean, that's the significance of networking is you get to continue to build your own community of folks. Yeah. Uh, it's so funny because I too had the same basically story. I lost my first job and I didn't have a, I didn't have a uh, network to rely on. Right. So mm-hmm. I went to add two, but I actually brought a friend with me. Uh, <laughs> And, you know, it was a four years later. I only regret it once in a while. Uh, <laughs> it's It's been great. It, it's been quite a journey. I don't think people really understand how much work goes into it, but just how rewarding it is. And I think that really shows in you and how yeah. much you want to help everybody. And I really appreciate that. You know, so. what's also funny is that, like, at my first job, I think because I was, like, right out of college, yeah. I was very timid. Like mm, I just I kept, see that. I, well, I know but that's because I broke out from, from it now. Right. I was very timid. I kind of kept to myself because I was like there for the work kind of instilling my parents side of like uh, the immigrant story of like, put your head down, do the work. Don't ruffle yeah, any feathers. Yeah. Right. Like that's kind of like the immigrant, at least Chinese immigrants are kind of like, that. I don't know, but, but uh, you know, so I, I really kept to that for my first year and I didn't really like meet people outside. But after that experience, I learned it's like you got to stretch yourself. You got to meet more people because people really do want to help. 
And you know what's so funny? The second job I got is actually through my supervisor, who was my intern supervisor. So she really knew like my work ethic. So she could vouch for me. And she like kind of got me to her agency. So it's all the jobs that I've had, all the agency jobs that I have has really been people are like, Tina, we're hiring. Do you do you want to apply? It's never like through submit your application kind of thing. So a lot of advertising is like it is kind of who you know and being exposed to that is through your network. Uh, let me ask you this. Do you have any any tips or anything for people who are going to networking events and they're getting to meet others and maybe they want to they, they, they met someone who's really important like at an agency or something uh how do they make themselves stand out right because you go to a networking event sometimes you're meeting like 20 people 30 people mm-hmm. and you know how do you make sure that you stand out for that person that you know maybe their agency is hiring so you kind of want to get close to them i mean it's just interesting nowadays like Pre-COVID, you know, we go to happy hours, yeah. we shake hands, you know, we so used good. we used to do that, or I guess Guido yeah. still does. Do, do we, is yeah. the elbow bump the still elbow, like the thing? Yeah, yeah, like I don't the, know, uh, like the elbow yeah, thing. The elbow. You go in for a hug yeah. and people are like, I don't know about you. So <laughs> Well, I don't hug anybody. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Oh, lies. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, you would shake hands, exchange business cards, but even business cards are now kind of like antiquated at that point. Yeah. People just, you know, mm-hmm. LinkedIn, LinkedIn, let's just connect, thing, you know, yeah. let's just connect via LinkedIn. And it's actually, it's, LinkedIn is actually kind of a cool tool because you, it's like a resume. Pretty much it's like who, who's yeah, who who's on LinkedIn, person, right? Yeah. So that was the previous approach of going to happy hours, rubbing whatever, sh- like in terms of like getting to know folks that are hiring. The The one thing that I've seen now that I'm in a position to hire, it's also interesting being on the other side of the table, but for, for like getting to know higher ups, how to, how to stand out, be yourself, be in ways like be your authentic self because people can see through lies very clearly because, you know, if you're vetting through so many candidates, you can just tell, especially if you interview a lot of people. I've Now I've inter- I'm interviewing people for teams and it's, I can tell, like, you can also tell, like, who are the ones that you can work with and then also share a beer with after, after work, right? Like you... Whoever you're hiring should also be your friend in a way where you can hang out with them. Because sometimes you're at work for really long hours. Yeah, that's a good point. In in agencies, right? So you got to be real. You can't just, don't, none of that fake stuff. Thank you for joining us today. The Add to Houston Amigos podcast is produced at Radio Lounge. Add to Houston is a collaborative collective of young communication professionals, aged 32 and under, who are looking to make a difference in the industry. If you would like to become an amigo, join us at, at the number two houston.com. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn at, at the number two Houston. Thank you for listening.